This is not a Gatorade podcast. I mean, it could be. I could literally write a ringing endorsement of Glacier <laughs> Freeze Gatorade Zero. Mildly refreshing. Tastes like the color blue. It's refreshing. <laughs> Did I say refreshing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm um I'm Jessica Jones and I'm an idiot. Yes, I'm Amber Frangi, and also welcome back to Especially Heinous, a show where two friends talk about the bizarre true stories behind Law and Order SVU episodes. And Jessica comes in cold. So Very cold, ice cold. Be prepared for um I'm gonna be coming in as cold as Glacier Freeze. <laughs> God, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't even help that. That isn't sponsored, but it really should be. Like Gatorade, sponsor us. Please sponsor um, us. You have I to have, go back to Gainesville. I, I have to go back to Gainesville, home of Gatorade. <laughs> uh, it is all writing itself here. Exactly. Gatorade, like I'm, I'm literally pitching this for you. Um, I'm poor, so literally any amount We're of money that you send me poor. will be like fantastic. You could literally send me, you could literally throw a nickel at me and I'd be grateful. <laughs> like literally just peg it at my face and we're well, We're going to have a, an ad break for Gatorade every single episode now. That's just going to be It'll literally be like a behind the bastards I was gonna like, say. break for like Doritos, but for us it'll just be Gatorade. I but specifically Gatorade Zero. Because, Gatorade like, Zero is really good. I can't have a whole lot of sugar, so that's why Yeah, because you're those. on some, like, weird cleanse. I just, it's like, don't care. diet. But I'm getting married in, like, three months. I'm supposed to, like, I don't know, torture myself for three months. As someone who worked in bridal, that's an accurate statement. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, this week we are talking about... Not bridal? Not bri- the bridal Nothing industry. Happy. <laughs> Nothing happy. Something equally depressing, uh, the episode Haystack and the death of Melinda Duckett. I am already depressed. Bring yes. it on. It's it's interesting. So anyway, Haystack uh, is a pretty late episode. I really can't... late year. Definitely. I mean, late in terms of, like, beyond, like, far away from 1999, which is oh. when it started. Not necessarily, like, super recent. But yeah, it's season 8, episode 15, so like... 2007. Yeah. So... Sweet. Love that. More than a third of the way into the run. So, anyway. In Haystack, uh, the SVU unit, or Stabler to be more specific. Is it as it once? It used to be just Stabler and Benson. Yeah. And, like, their cronies. Ice-T was always there, but he was just there for commentary. He was just there to make, like, a snappy, like, quip. Or just, like, have a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Why they call this blueberry... I don't. I don't know what that, that was. I'm sorry. That country. was nothing. <laughs> Never try to do a black accent again. Let's just no, go. No, that, that was just me slipping into the accent that, <laughs> that I was used when having I having a stroke. Yeah, I work in like bu- country bumpkin ass like Florida, so sometimes my country accent gets like real thick. Like just then, I'm sorry. <laughs> it comes through sometimes. It's a lot. So anyway, Stabler is investigating <laughs> the disappearance of an infant named Kendall Kozlowski who went missing from his what mother. A name. Yeah. Very Polish. But went missing from his mother, Laura's apartment during a party. Uh, Laura is understandably distraught, as, you know, you would be if your baby was missing. But her story's a little fishy from the get-go. Oh, no. Yeah. Nobody heard... So, like, this happened during, like, a dinner party or whatever. Nobody heard the baby throughout the course of the party. And she had apparently taken him to the movies earlier. Didn't make a peep. No one heard him. No one even saw him. Oh, no. Yeah. So, a little weird. Questionable. 
Yeah. But the people in Laura's life don't think she had anything to do with her son's disappearance. They just think she's scared. According to her best friend, who is a lovely and very stereotypical gay man, uh, Kendall's father is likely Laura's extremely abusive, controlling ex who's threatened her life before and, like, beat the shit out of her. Oh, no. So her friend suggests that if anybody hurt Kendall, it's probably this dude. So despite, sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. So despite the fact that the detectives uh, do actually have leads other than Laura herself, the local media has other ideas. <laughs> As part of her press tour done in hopes of finding Kendall, Laura agrees to an interview with hardball reporter Cindy Marino. Never a good idea. Never do it. <laughs> idea. Yes. Never do it. So Cindy pushes really hard to find out what happened to Kendall, which like in and of itself isn't bad necessarily. Uh... But she regards Laura much more as a suspect than, like, just a grieving mom. After the interview ends, the public goes wild, buying into Cindy's theory that Laura's hiding something or that she had something to do with it. Oh, God. Yeah. And accusing Laura of killing her son, hiding the body, the whole nine yards. So Laura's devastated and ends up ending her own life. Oh, God. Yeah. I literally have goosebumps. Yeah. The, I think Stabler finds her. I can't remember. Like, I literally have goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Oh, God. But I re- I'm really glad I shaved my legs because if I didn't, <laughs> this would be like a shit show under these yoga okay. pants. <laughs> but Kendall's case isn't closed yet. Eventually, Stabler finds uh, two potential fathers, James, who is Laura's like creepy, abusive ex, and Dan, Laura's ex-husband, who have ties to the young boy. Uh, and the squad believes that one of them, specifically James, the shitty abusive ex, is the perpetrator. So when Kendall, like, suddenly surfaces alive and unharmed, DNA, they do a DNA test at the hospital, and it reveals that James is, in fact, his dad. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. So obviously, the detectives don't want to turn this little boy over to the man who tortured his mom for years and who probably kidnapped him in the first place. So they try to- Makes sense. Yeah, like- Seems like a reasonable response. Casual. Yeah. So they try to arrange for foster care, but when James finds out, he sues the squad, uh, but on the stand, he fucks himself over. He says something. I don't even remember what it is. I didn't rewatch the entirety of this episode, and I didn't feel like, I mean, like, looking up recaps, like, nothing clarified, but he says something that, like, triggers Stabler's memory and, like, gives him away for having kidnapped Kendall. So he ends up getting arrested and is sent to prison and Kendall ends up, uh, Dan, who's Laura's ex-husband, ends up taking custody of him. And apparently in like her suicide note or something, she like indicated that's where, who she wanted Kendall to go to if he was found. So they can't see it, but my jaw is like literally like not able to fully close. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, weird episode. And the case that inspired it, only really covers like bits and pieces of it not the whole storyline the whole bit with like two dads is something else entirely and just like kind of i don't know fiction but the what happened to laura is actually inspired by a real life woman named melinda duckett so on october or august i don't know why i said october on august 27th because we were both born in october yes also like the 27th is my birthday so but on August 27, 2006, two-year-old Trenton John Duckett went missing from his home in Leesburg, Florida, where he lived with his mother, Melinda. Leesburg Her- is country <laughs> bumpkin-ass yeah, Florida. It really Fuck. is. Yeah. Um, Everyone there is fucking their cousin. They're all on <laughs> meth. It's just a county full of meth mouth. Yeah, it's rough. It- I can count on one hand the number of teeth in that county. <laughs> 
you should see how oh, you no. just spiked the audio. <laughs> That's really bad. I'll have to try to fix that. Wow. Jesus. That's funny. Okay. You're welcome. You hack, like, all the time. <laughs> I have tuberculosis. <laughs> I literally have a disease episode. from 1911. Maybe even before that. It's from like the 1800s. It's, I have the, the consumption, consumption that I got from a prison. God. That sounds awful. But anyway, back to Leesburg. Or actually. pattern of my bad. So bad. We need to stay somewhat on track. So originally from South Korea. Uh, We're delirious. Yeah. Melinda was brought to the United States by her adoptive parents in 1985 at just four months old. Did it say where she's from, like, originally? South Korea. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I'm I said to, like, that we were laughing beyond. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was still thinking about Leesburg. <laughs> anyway, from, from South Korea to Leesburg. But actually, she lived in New York for the first, like, 17 years of her life. And then uh, went to live with her grandparents who lived in Leesburg, Florida. Oh, okay. I really, I'm, like, curious about this and there's nothing. Like, I mean, maybe this is just, like, I don't know, me thinking of weird shit or something but I feel like parents don't send their kids to especially teenage kids to live with their grandparents unless they're doing something crazy oh that's like literally a thing like if yeah. you're acting the fuck out you go to stay with your grandparents in like country bumpkin ass Florida yeah like you get out of the city you get away from your like I don't know bad influence friends and you go live with your grandparents like I feel like that's a thing yeah that's like that's actually a thing yeah so there's nothing at least from what I could find there's no sort of background on why she left or like what was going on guarantee she probably had sex with her boyfriend and or her like, parents like freaked out either that or it was like a drug thing i think like pot probably. drug or like petty crime something like that well but alas and her parents like freaked freak out, out and over like, nothing it's like that seventh heaven episode where like <gasps> mary like oh my god she like yes. vandalizes the whole school and then like becomes like a fuck up and her parents send her to live with the colonel oh my god or like the episode of full house where dj starts like taking a sip of vodka in the bathroom of the school that doesn't school even dance. happen no that episode just played dj got beer spilled on her oh my god what epi- what show am i thinking about I think it was Degrassi, where they're, like, drinking, like, vodka in the bathroom, and one of them has to, like, go, not, like, stay with a relative for a week, but it turns out, like, in the actual episode, there was something, like, going on with the actual actress, so they had to, like, write that episode in. That's really funny. No, I remember that episode. Paige made Terry drink a bunch of vodka, because- (gasps) That's what it- You! My neighbors live under this floor, dude. (laughs) Sorry, I'm bouncing on the chair in excitement. we're not a Degrassi podcast, although that is- we the second episode be. where I've referenced Degrassi. Okay, we're just going to start another podcast we'll about Degrassi. <laughs> a podcast about every show we've ever enjoyed. Next will be Golden <laughs> Girls. Oh, that would be great. We could call it like Out on the Lanai. That might exist already. but we'll Okay, well, we're going to do it anyway. It'll Thank you fine. for being a friend. Something like that. Anyway, I do love Golden Girls. My wedding will be Golden Girls themed. That's like not a joke. That's actually happening. I want to take a really slutty picture in front of, like, that, like, palm frond background. Please at least dress like you're not working. And you know what I mean. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to find a husband. Okay. It'll be, like, five men. It's a lesbian wedding. That's fair. Okay, but they're, like, it'll be, like, in Riverside. I might find, like, it'll a It'll be at my parents' house, dude. Oh, it is? Yeah. Maybe your dad has a hot friend. Ew. Also, this is not a My Wedding podcast, either. But, uh, so, one in Leesburg, 
go right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, you just... You deal with that. So in Leesburg, Melinda uh, attended South Sumter High School, where she began dating fellow student Joshua Duckett. During her senior year... I don't like that last name. Yeah, it's rough, right? During her senior year, Melinda found out she was pregnant and gave birth to Trenton shortly after graduating. Oh. So... Also terrible names. Yeah, it is rough, right? Trenton. Trenton Duckett. Oh. No, that sounds awful because, like, we're talking about a missing child, but that's a rough name. It's very Leesburg. I was going to say, it sounds incredibly like something you'd find in Leesburg. Trenton Duckett. (laughs) Sorry. I feel so bad. She and Josh uh, married relatively soon after Trenton was born, maybe like a year after in 2005, but their relationship was very tumultuous and they were divorced the year after, so 2006. Uh, As with the protagonist and Haystack, suspicions regarding Melinda's fitness as a mother surfaced kind of early on. Uh, in April of 2005, John had Melinda Baker acted, which is like Florida speak for an involuntary psych hold, after she allegedly threatened to harm Trenton. Yeah, it usually tends to be between 48 and 72 hours. Yeah, I think hers was 72 hours, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But apparently she threatened to harm her kid, but uh, she he wasn't taken out of their custody or anything. There was just the psych hold. That's and then, strange that they wouldn't, like take Dude, him out of hold for that they wouldn't Italy. put him into like um I mean I, I not even like foster him but to like shelter him for a, at least a couple of days I mean I guess because she was removed from the home and his dad was still there and like presumably his like the dad's parents or something the dad probably showed like caregiver protective capacity so they kept him in the home yeah like I'm assuming the dad was fine or his parents were around and they were also fine and there was enough support in the home for him not to be removed but yeah. I don't even know if he if this was investigated because I'm assuming it was but I don't know um in the way I have many questions like <laughs> I'm mine sorry. is literally spinning it's like did they complete a family functioning assessment <laughs> like what's going on did like did the father complete any uh, caregiver protective capacity test? Was there like, present danger involved? I don't know. This was also in like the mid two thousands, and I feel like kind of this was the thing. Yeah, like our I'm coming at this from like a two thousand eighteen standpoint. Yeah, I feel like our uh, protective like agencies have like improved a lot over the past 10, 15 years. So I don't know how diligent. Like, yeah, hmm. always. I don't know how diligent people were back then. Maybe they were super diligent. I don't know, but. Alas, this was a long time ago, so I don't know what the procedures were. Or not that long ago, but, like, in the grand scheme of how quickly things change in Especially, agencies. like, yeah, like, is, like especially uh, criminal justice agencies. Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces, so. Constantly. So, yeah, I don't know what the process was for that. But in the winter of that year, so she's Baker acted in April. I presumably had been seeing a therapist months afterwards. One would hope. Yeah. So, well, like. This next piece makes it sound like she was following up with a doctor pretty regularly. In the winter of that year, uh, I think in December, she was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive personality disorder, which is not OCD itself, but is something like kind of similar in the same, I think it's on the same spectrum of sorts. Yeah, it's more of like a... It's a rigidness in your personality, not necessarily about specific rituals. Yeah, it's more like a need for like... Order. Order, neatness, etc. It's not... It's kind of like how... 
the people, people who, imagine OCD. Yeah, it's like people who are like super specific about having like the way their notes are or and like following rules. Like having a lot like, of it is about yeah. rules and order more so than having o- their like spaces super clean. That's more OCPD, whereas like OCD, OCD is, is can like, be anything. Yeah, it's more <laughs> the ritual aspect of doing something. Yeah, repetitive tasks and intrusive thoughts. That is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to centralize around order. Yeah, but. Uh, OCPD has like a fixation on things being orderly, yeah, which is interesting. And like, I don't know, like maybe one of the girls I work with has OCPD. That's it's uh, very annoying. <laughs> I suspect that my she, fiance has it, and it's exhausting. She constantly tries to clean my desk. It's like, can you leave me alone? <laughs> That's really funny. Like, I I know you have this issue, but um, clean I'm your own a, desk, girl. I'm a pig from hell, so let yeah. my spaces be disgusting leave you in your sty <laughs> leave me in my gross muddy sty with my work boots in the corner alone god we're really getting into the leesburg vibe yes but anyway i work in middleburg you despite her diagnosis uh which like you know being diagnosed with something doesn't preclude you from being a good parent yeah. and her doctors agreed with that they said there's no psychological reason that would preclude Melinda for being a capable and loving parent. So honestly, like these days, fine. just like these days, if you're on all of the medications that you need to be on, and you're going to therapy. You're like you have some kind of like support system. There's you're no, fine. Yeah, as long as you're not hurting your kids, like or neglecting them because of stuff going on in your own life. Yeah, like, as long as you're whatever. meeting all their needs, it doesn't matter. You're fine. You're bro. good. And like it's at least at this point, she was doing that, but. Obviously, it doesn't uh, happen for very long, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, as previously mentioned, Melinda first reported Trenton missing on August 27th, 2006. Uh, she told police officers when she called them that she had just finished watching a movie and after it ended, went into Trenton's room to check on him, realized he was missing, and also noticed that there had been, like, a whole cut into the screen window <gasps> above his crib. No! Yeah. Which is also, I think, at least, like... a is mimicked in the Haystack episode. Yeah. So, Melinda, from the get-go, for whatever reason, was considered the primary suspect in her son's disappearance, but the police were hesitant to arrest her because they hoped that she would eventually lead them to his location. Now, there isn't, at least from what I found on the case, there isn't, like, a ton of talk about motive if she was, like, if she had done it, but... She had just gotten divorced from her husband. She had been under a psych hold the year prior. It's not... Who knows where her mind is at? Well, it's not... Quite frankly. Like, crazy to think that he might pursue sole custody. Yeah. Like, that could potentially happen. And even though, like, statistically, women are more likely to be given sole custody, if you have, as an adult, like, a record with, like, the mental health care system in Florida, it that doesn't can fuck you great. up. Like, even yeah. if you're doing everything right, if you have an acrimonious divorce with... with your partner and they're, you know, stable and able to care for your child better than you are in the eyes of the court, you could lose your kid. And I Mm -hmm. think if she, you know, stashed him somewhere or something or did something, I imagine it was out of that fear. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. There's no, because of what ends up happening, we don't know. But anyway, so as many parents are to want to do, at least in the U.S., in the aftermath of their kids going missing, Melinda went on kind of like a press junket, doing interviews, trying to get the word out about her kid missing. And in the process of this, she was interviewed by arguably, arguably, 
the most polarizing presence in oh, crime-related no. news. Who, Nancy who? fucking Grace. Oh, no! Yep. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. So if you're somehow unfamiliar with Nancy Grace, she's... God bless. <laughs> she's the very loud, very Southern lady with May I Speak to the Manager hair... Uh, who turned perpetrators and suspects like Casey Anthony and Jody Arias into household names. She, like, literally turned them into celebrities. Yeah. That's, Ugh. yeah. So she is literally, like, <laughs> she's awful. dry heave inducing. So through the lens of her own fiancé's murder, which, like, her claims about are questionable, and some dubious experience in the legal field, uh, she hosted a self-titled show for over a decade, during which she shrieked at murder and abuse suspects, and sometimes her own guests. Also, you should look at the notes. Oh no, what am I going to see now? It's something pleasant, I promise. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Isn't it beautiful? So I one time... love that She even so got much. into it with two chains, like the rapper, two chains, about the benefits and drawbacks of legalizing marijuana. Okay, this literally has to be the photo that you tweet, because like... <laughs> This is this is art. Yeah, whoever so, whoever made this is an artiste. Yeah, we need just, to have a blog connected to this. They can't show. see me doing the Italian finger kiss of mwah, just there beautiful. There is a graphic that was actually made for her debate with Two Chains that just like has oh, badly superimposed on a bunch of like smoke. Nancy Grace on one side, Two Chains on the other. What are you doing? I don't know. I touched something. I don't, Stop I, it. Ah, okay. um, and it says face off pot to blame or hashtag pot to blame that and is there's a pot leaf my favorite thing on hln <laughs> yes so, 8 p.m eastern yeah, standard time on hln ad. so that is welcome. that it that is truly a thing of beauty yeah so that happened so nancy grace did all manner of things she talked about a lot of current events but it was all in the like criminal justice sort of sphere so, and this is purely my own opinion, but I kind of think that, like, every true crime podcaster who's had, like, even the most remote success kind of owes a little bit of their career to Nancy Grace, even though she sucks. Like, she's not a good person, at least I don't think, or at least from what her actions have dictated thus far. But she played a really integral role in cementing crime coverage as a permanent fixture of the 24-hour news cycle as we know it today. We would not have... Your... I love that. It's true. Like, I, I don't think we would have, like, a billion women sitting in their apartments or homes, like, talking about murder if it wasn't for fucking Nancy Grace. Honestly, she really did, like, bring true crime coverage to the forefront. She made for, it, like... Like, an entertainment thing. Like, it premiered yeah. on fucking primetime. It was 8 o'clock, and, like, even though it wasn't a network, it was HLN, it, it was, was a huge, like, cultural phenomenon. It was still, like, a really easy thing for, like... It was easily Women accessible. at the end of the night to, like, pour a glass of wine and Your watch Nancy Grace. go to bed, you settle in. Like, I don't think, like, the... I feel personally attacked by the scenario I just created in my head. <laughs> but... But, yeah, I used to watch, even though, like, she drove me crazy. Like, I watched her every night, if only because if there was, like, an interesting case happening in the news, she was where you would find all the details, because she would not shut up about it. <laughs> they did quite frankly, do very good research for these yeah. shows. Yeah, like, I mean, they knew fair. everything because yeah. they were mining every story for every little detail. So, I mean, it was interesting. Also, the lady who was on before her was named Jane Velez Mitchell, and she was a brown lesbian who I loved, and they canceled her, like, a year before Nancy Grace got canceled, and it was like a knife in my heart. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. sad. It was awful. But anyway, the impact of Nancy Grace's career aside, her delivery is notoriously harsh, and it's very unsurprising that it left a lasting impact on Melinda Duckett. Uh, 
During her interview, Grace accused the young mother of hiding something and pointed to the fact that she had refused to take a polygraph and provided only vague answers to the police and Nancy's questions. And honestly, that's kind of a valid assertion. Yeah, like, that doesn't look great. Yeah, refusing, and this, like, polygraph tests are dubious in terms of what, like, their actual efficacy and how reliable they are. But also, like, not taking one at all, just to... Especially at this time when they were still seen as, like, yeah. reliable. I think today you could, like, have your lawyer point out, like, my client has mental health issues, like, she is an anxious person, and if she has to take this test, it, like, it's not going to be, reli- it's not a reliable measure. Yeah, but, but like, at that time, yeah. they were so, like, they were ev- This was everywhere. also, as we've talked about with, like, just SVU as a general concept, and, like, crime stuff, the early and mid-2000s were, like, I don't know. The general public was fixated on criminal investigation as a concept. Yeah. So people thought polygraph tests were, like, very, very reliable, like, 100%, which is not true at all. And we know that now, but 15 but back then, years ago, we didn't know that. So, like, not taking one seems very hella suspicious. Yeah, super suspicious. Like, super sus. So two days after her appearance on the show, Melinda penned a scathing two-page letter to the general public in which she expressed her love for Trenton and her outrage at being faced with nothing but ridicule and criticism. Upon finishing the note, she left it on the dashboard of her car, entered her grandparents' home, found her grandfather's gun, and <gasps> killed herself. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, good God. Rough. I yes. might need a glass of wine after this. I'm not <laughs> I'm allowed sorry. to drink right now, but I'm going to have well, wine I anyway. I have a lot of wine. <laughs> but... You have a lot of wine and liquor that I've been, like, sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you spent. She spent five minutes before we started recording, just like recording, opening, opening various bottles and sniffing them. Not even like taking sips, just like <laughs> sniffing, sniffing them. them. That's like me sniffing cupcakes when I'm on a diet. <laughs> but anyway, so there was a lawsuit uh, between Nancy Grace and Melinda's family. So the duck, or not the duck, it's actually Melinda's own family, blamed her death on media scrutiny, particularly that of Nancy Grace. And they eventually filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the host. Uh, When asked about the lawsuit, Nancy said that she thought, if anything, I would suggest that guilt made her commit suicide. Shut up right now. But here's the thing. I hate myself for this, but I like half agree with her. Like, I kind of see why she would say that because... I mean, like, hindsight is 2020. Yeah. So that's where I'm coming from. But like, at the time, like, yeah, I get it. Like, it... It all just does not look yeah, it good. It doesn't add up. Here, like, I think there's a nuanced perspective here because, but because Melinda ended her life, we can't really say whether or not she had harmed her son. But I do think the guilt of. Wait, hurting- did they ever find her son? No. We'll get to that. <gasps> I know. I know. Which is, oh. again, why. I it doesn't think- sound good, ma'am. Yeah, I think oh, Nancy's no. kind of right. Like, I think the guilt of hurting. Never thought I'd say that. I know, neither did I. But I think the guilt of hurting your kid, even if it was like an accident and she just covered it up, oh. even if, because like that happens sometimes, no matter what happened, like if you hurt your kid, I think you would feel guilty Child abuse and hiding it, like, literally is a thing. That's why I have a job. It's a huge thing, yeah. And I mean, parents, like, accidentally hurting their kids and then covering, like, covering it up is also a thing. Oh my god. That's, like, why there are special victims units. But guilt of something like that would totally overwhelm, like, just a report, like, a hawkish reporter being awful to you, you know? Oh, yeah. That said... Again, nuanced perspective here. Mental illness is a really tricky, complex thing, and it's certainly possible that given the tremendous stress of losing your kid, 
you know, being in the public eye, trying your best to find him and her existing mental health condition, Melinda could, like, it's possible that she couldn't just take it anymore. Like, I'm willing to believe that she was probably depressed already before this interview. Because, oh, absolutely. Because, like, her kid was missing. Her marriage had just fallen apart. She had a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Things aren't going great. But either way, sad, awful, and we won't, you know, I think ever know what happened. Uh, but wherever the truth is lawsuit was settled out of court for $200,000, which would be placed in a trust until Trenton's 18th birthday. Uh, however, if Trenton wasn't found by his 13th birthday, which sadly he was not, Aww. yeah, uh, the money would be given to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Okay, so at least some good came out of it. Yeah. Or at it's least, not just like... I don't know, actually... His, yeah, his 13th birthday would have already passed. I think that would have been, like, 2017. I had to, like, do think. the math. Yeah. But, I mean, some the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children always needs more money yeah. for, like, research and flyers and, and everything his, like that. So like, great-aunt was the administrator of the trust and, like, set it aside to go to that oh, charity. I love, so. I love them. That's yeah. so sweet and wholesome. It's so sad, but at least, like you said, some good came out of it. And maybe, like, I mean, this is a shot in the dark, but I don't know, maybe, like, she rehomed her kid like some terrible people do now on the internet. Maybe, like... He's fine. Like, and he honestly, just somebody I don't, else's is I don't get the whole idea of rehoming when there are literally, like, safe places children, where you can, yes. like... Go to a fire station. You can drop them off at a fire station. You can drop them... You can literally drop a child off at your local... I think there's an SBU local... episode about this. There definitely is, and we will be talking about yeah, it at one point. You can drop them off at a fire station, a hospital, a police station, or your local, libraries. like, Department of Children and Families location. Yeah. You can just, like, leave them there. There's a whole Which lot happened of- a couple weeks ago, and I literally sat in the lobby of our office I knew crying. a boy that happened to when he was 12, which is awful. These two boys, they were so fucking sweet. They literally, like, were knocking on the door of our office, and one of the admin people opened it, and, like, we were trying to, like, figure out where their parents were, and they said they just got dropped off. Oh, my God. That's I, fucking terrible. Don't I do that to your kids. I sat in, like, the bathroom of our office and, like, cried Drop for 45 minutes. Drop them off minutes. with a grandparent or something, at least. Jesus, fuck. It's awful. Like, at least they have a better chance of going to a good home through us. Than, but like, still, that's what a shitty ugh. way to do that. <laughs> anyway, so to lighten the mood a bit before we Thank uh, God end this I episode, this. here's our iced tea tidbit for the week. My favorite time of the week. I love this. When interviewed by Us Weekly. For oh, God. I just read it. <laughs> for a 25 Things You Don't Know About Me segment, Ice Dude. The jumping. <laughs> Sorry, it's incredible. Ice-T says, I think I look like an armadillo. <laughs> and honestly, he kind of does. It's in the not face. an incorrect statement, but it's an amazing statement. So if you take anything from this sort of disjointed episode, let Ice-T it be looks like an armadillo. that Ice-T realizes that he looks like an armadillo. Like, he, he does in fact know that. He does not need you to tweet it at him. Although, <laughs> I will be should. doing it. Just... Oh my god, you should put his face on an armadillo's body. Oh my god, I'm literally going to do that right now and tweet it to him. Please oh do. Oh my god. Anyway, that is all we have for y'all this episode. We will be back with uh, maybe a less depressing case, but... But we're out.